Welcome to the Keeney Interviews. Through this series, you will meet leading practitioners from the water sector and hear their stories. Together, we will address water challenges and discuss how best to face them. Keeney is the Malaysian word for current, and this initiative promotes the flow of ideas within the water sector. Hello and welcome to today's Kindy interview with Virak Chan. Virak is the Water and Sanitation Specialist at the World Bank based in Cambodia. And in today's interview, he shares with us the work that he's doing for the World Bank in Cambodia, as well as a new NGO that he has been involved in establishing called the Center for Sustainable Water. The Center for Sustainable Water is has been established to be able to address a lack of professional capacity in the water sector in Cambodia. And what it does is it provides some additional training in the space of water and sanitation for new university graduates so that they can become water professionals. What's really interesting about this interview is that before it has gone live, I shared it with somebody else who I knew was looking at doing something similar in India. And she has been working with VRAC since then to be able to set up a new NGO to do something similar. So I hope that you will enjoy this and it will get you thinking about uh, how to build capacity in the, your region or your country or even just your community around water issues so that we can start to fill this capacity gap uh, professionally in the water sector. With that, I'm Karen Delfo and uh, enjoy this interview with Virak Chan. Thank you. Hello, Virak, and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us about the amazing work that you're doing in Cambodia and the Mekong area in the basin. Um, welcome to your Kinney interview. Hello, Karen. How are you? I'm very happy to um, take part in this interview with thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm hoping we can get started with learning a little bit more about your story, how you became interested and then involved in water and water management and the roles that you have at the moment. Can you speak about that, please? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, maybe I can go back to um, last five or six years ago, um, how I start um, uh, involving uh, in the water sectors. Actually, um, from my background, I don't have a water-related background at all. I was coming from the business development uh, background uh, by, by trainings. Um, so I work with a lot on the social work, um, supporting the you know poor community, uh, relating to community developments. And I have a very good opportunity that I apply for the job at the World Bank. Uh, to be a project analyst at times, which is the project is kind of supporting the private water operators uh, to improve the capacity uh, in operating the water's business properly. So I'm the one who managed the projects and then I have started uh, learn, learning from the project about water, about um, the issue related to water, that is where I can start. Uh, I, I started interested in the in, in, in the water sector. I can so, imagine that um, getting started that way, you learn that there's a lot of your business skills that can be applied to the water sector that could have some very, I, I would say, immense benefits also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then... You know, from from that work so for about three years, and then 
I start realizing myself that um, water is very important um, knowledge that I should um, improve. So my interest started getting more and more in, into the water sector. And then I decided to apply for the scholarship from the Australian government. Um, and then fortunately I got the scholarship, full scholarship from Australian government. And then I searched for the program that provided the waters uh, related uh, uh, courses uh, in Australia. So this is something that I can start from the work that I'm interested in water and now I'm going to the uh, academic life with water as well. So I decided uh, to go to um, the programs called Master Degree in Integrated Water Management, um, hosted by University of Queensland and managed by the International Water Centers. So this is, this is something that I'm really um, very, very passionate with the way that I go from learning a little bit from, from doing the project and now go into the study. So that's why it's bring me to another step that when I graduated from, from the um, uh, integrated water management uh, degree, I really truly become a water guide and then taking another opportunity to apply for the World Bank job again uh, to work in really water uh, sanitations and also water resource management. So this is the story that I use. And what is your role now and what are the responsibilities that you have in that role? Um, currently I am the um, water and sanitation specialist and I am managing the uh, sanitation uh, projects, um, which is mainly focusing on uh, supporting the government. The other thing is uh, supporting uh, the government on the decentralization reform. And in the on water resource management, I was asked the water resource management projects uh, in Cambodia as well, um, as the country focal point um, to, um, you know, facilitate and coordinate the water resource management project in, in, in Cambodia. Can I ask that you just back up uh, about a minute and say that one more time? Because for some reason the connection sort of wobbled and I didn't get everything. So um, uh -huh. can you say just again the role that you have with the World Bank and uh, the responsibilities and the duties that you perform right now, please? Okay. Um, currently I'm, I'm the water and sanitation specialist. Um, I. Man, I'm managing a, a project on uh, sanitation work, um, especially is my work focus on strengthening the government capacity, supporting the policy developments, uh, and also um, some other reform like uh, decentralization reform. Uh, uh, on the other hand, I'm also um, assigned to work on the water resource management project as well in Cambodia. So I'm a country focal point who coordinate the project, uh, interact with the stakeholder in the water resource uh, uh, sectors. 
So it sounds like your role is really at that intersection between developing the policy and then implementing the policy. And I would imagine in a role like that, you would be able to use your on the ground experience with the implementation side of things to feed back into improving the way that policy is being developed. Is that, do you have that opportunity in your role to be able to do that? Um, certainly, yes, um, because uh, normally we are, my role is, is, is really kind of like helping the government to deep dive what are the uh, on the ground problem and bring the problem on, on the table and discuss with the sector partners and especially the government what's happening so that it can inform the policy development and the policy implementation. So this is, this is the key role that I can see is that uh, it's not just only uh, the top-down approach, but it's also bringing the bottom-up uh, ways that the government could really um, getting uh, the reality from, from the fields. And is there an example that you can share with us uh, in the work that you've been doing over the past couple of years that illustrates how this approach has been successful, for example, um, being able to work at the community level with the relevant stakeholders, or not exactly the community level, but with a different government in order to influence the policy. Is there um, any example you can share with us? Yeah, I would share the example that we work on the decentralizations uh, of the rural sanitation uh, projects. Um, actually, we um, provided a technical assistance to the um, sub-national governments to uh, implement the rural sanitation service delivery. So mainly, we support the subnational government to um, um, to be able to plan their sanitation works, to budget uh, the sanitation activities, and also to monitor how the uh, sanitation uh, activity going on and what are the um, uh, uptake of the sanitation. So those are the experience that we um, work closely with the community people, uh, working closely with the um, Commune Committee for Women and Children, who is the focal point to implement sanitation activity. So uh, from the experience working with them, we really diagnostic, uh, the, identify the diagnostic of the issue in the community, how the role of local government can deliver um, the um, rural sanitation service sustainably and effectively. So those those kind of the lessons that we gather from the field have been brought up into into the national level, and then we have also um, a platform uh, at the national level that all the stakeholders come together to discuss about what's happening in the field, and then those kind of dialogue, those kind of the advocacy started at the national level and trying to get the government understand the role of the local government that can be a very uh, effective and strong uh, uh, frontline workers to implement the project. I think this is, I would call it the bottom-up approach that um, uh, we bring the experience from the ground and then informing the uh, national uh, governments and also uh, key stakeholders. Uh, as a result, there are so many interests from the government that continues uh, uh, providing the support in, into, the, into the idea that uh, the function at the national level 
need to be transferred to the subnational level or local government to perform on behalf of the national government. I think this is not really an easy job, but it's doable and we can see the momentum moving forward. I think so too. It sounds really quite amazing. Um, and to, to have other areas of the government looking at your project and wanting to absorb that and take on the same approach, the bottom-up approach, sounds like a very successful way of making great things happen in the, in the region. I'm hoping we can now switch gears and speak about the Center for Sustainable Water, which who you are involved in. Um, I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about how it came about and what it does and how it's structured. And yeah, just tell us all about the Center for Sustainable Water. Okay, thank you, um, Karen, for that. Um, actually, um, if I'm talking about the center, it sounds like I'm now wearing two hats at the same time, but <laughs> actually it's not. But um, the idea of um, establishing the uh, Center for Sustainable Water is coming from my own passions of how my knowledge gained from a different places, from the university that I studied, from the expert, water expert that I have uh, interact with, and from a different you know, events or uh, conference that I attended. So looking, at it, looking into Cambodia's um, human resource as the uh, on Human resource in water sector is the uh, is the is the uh, emerging uh, issue for for Cambodia moving forward. So there's there's so many projects, there's so many issues uh, relating to water that need to be uh, solved to be tackled. But if we look at the human resources, it's quite limited in the sense that um, the lack of the um, education uh, institution that provide the water-related uh, uh, subject or courses. And some university also provided some courses, but not intensively related to water. So I decided to um, found and establish the um, Center for Sustainable Water is really to providing a platform or a hub for uh, those who are interested in, in water-related aspects so that they can really uh, see how important of the water and how they can really generate the knowledge around uh, water as well. So this is, is come out from my passion rather than just what I want to do. And actually the center is uh, found by me, but it's not really operated by me or managed by me. I have a, a college that uh, have a good background similarly to me that run this center on behalf of uh, this initiative. So it, it's going very well. And then how it, how it structures, uh, we open for um, a lot of volunteers, uh, university students and juniors uh, practitioners uh, to come in into the center so that they can really learn and also work at the same time on the water-related uh, uh, aspects. And we've spoken, I think, a bit before about the center being able to bring people who don't have a lot of knowledge about working in the field of water, sanitation, hygiene, to start to even understand what the 
key fundamental issues are and what the main best practice approaches are and that through the center's work people who have come really from almost only zero maybe zero practical or academic experience can after being trained really go back into their communities and make a bit of a difference in that space where there's so much work to be done um, is it possible that you could share a story about maybe somebody who did that who has been engaged and involved with the center um, yeah actually um, in the center we are trying to develop a different um, projects um, knowledge uh, um, capacity building projects um, so that we can train the people um, who are interested in, 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 in the cause of uh, waters, uh, waters and sanitations. So, um, so far we um, run a program called a Young Professional Program in WASH that we train um, junior practitioners and also um, university students who come from the different um, water-related backgrounds. So the objective of uh, the program is really to train them first to get them buying or interest in working in water and sanitation sector. Second, the benefit will come later when they know how uh, the water and sanitation work and then they know what is the issue and they know what are the solutions they can really, you know, contribute into the water and sanitation sector. There are some examples that um, I can show you is that um, before a few university students are interested when they graduated from, um, from the university, for example, um, to work in the water and sanitation sector. Most of them, when they graduated, they go to the civil work for some engineering student. Uh, the reason because when they graduated, there's not so many market, job market around water and sanitation, or maybe they don't know there's a market for water and sanitation job uh, in Cambodia. So they end up they end up with uh, working in the civil work like uh, concrete um, design or uh, uh, construction and so on. So when when we we inject this program, we provide them the program and capacity building. Um, there's example and there's a result that from from the program, there are few participants keep uh, applying for the job in the water and sanitation sector, and some are uh, now working in the water and sanitation sector already. So I think this is one of the results that I can prove, even it's not giving a very immediate impact, but the impact that we can see from when they get a job and interested and committed working in water and sanitation. And is the center associated with any, I know that you work with university students, but is it associated with any university or local colleges or education centers, or does it operate separately just in partnership with the, the colleges or universities? Uh, yeah, actually, um, we, we kind of an independent and nonprofit organization for the time being. Um, but we have also a partner with some university as well, like uh, Royal University of Phnom Penh, that they have some uh, program on environmental science, uh, water is there as well, and the University of uh, what they call it, Pagnasastra uh, uh, University, 
um, that they also providing the uh, environmental science courses. So those universities are our partners. And then when we organize this kind of program, they always um, inform and announce to the students about uh, what is the center doing. And then there's a lot of participants uh, coming from those universities. I think this kind of partners uh, um, uh, we just started, but uh, from the university point of view, they want to see a longer term partnership with us as well to move from what they call it the soft course program into more a formal um, education program in the future relating to the water and water and sanitations. And are the people who are professors for the center or trainers for the center, are they local experts that have been working in this area or do you bring international people in or how do, how do you find the right people? Because there's an element not just of transferring knowledge over to the students, but also it sounds like the center is very effective in getting people excited about this kind of work to the point where they start to seek this work in their future jobs. So how do you find those right trainers and people and how many of them are there? And how how does it work? How many courses are going on on, on, on any time period? Um, could you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, actually, um, the, as you know, that the center just started um, about six months ago. So we are quite new. <laughs> so, um, what the resource that we have is quite limited as well. But through my network, through my relationship with some experts in the country, both uh, foreign trainer and local trainers, um, we kind of use this kind of resource as much as possible. So I use my relationship with them, I use my network with them, inviting them to become a trainers. So we, can, we started with a very um, resource scarce mode, but the way that the trainer helped us is really quite committed, quite promising in terms of uh, building the common vision to, um, to you know, strengthen the capacity of the young generations working in water in order to work in water and sanitation. So um, um, this is this is a short moment of time that we we started without or with a very scarce resources, but the result is quite. Uh, motivation, motivated um, uh, from from what we we done before. So the program that we run is just only eight week. Um, we call it the Young Professional in Wars. Um, the eight week is including the in class trainings, and also we have a field visit as well to let all the participant or student to visit the real uh, implementation of uh, water and sanitation projects. And at the end, they have the final presentation of their project ideas after they learn from week one until week seven. So that they come a very interesting idea from, from what they learn uh, uh, from the beginning to the end. So I think this is something that uh, at some point we see that our objectives met, uh, that the student from no interest in water and sanitation. Now they have interest in water and sanitation and they learned what's happening in, in water and sanitation sectors. Uh, also, I guess I, I know that the center also is engaged in some work that's a little bit more broad than capacity building, 
but it is a sense of capacity building and it's setting up um, like expert access to expert speaker panel knowledge sharing network events. Um, I You were telling me about this earlier and I'm hoping you can also speak a little bit more about these sorts of events where you, from what I understand, bring together professionals and experts and create links between people around their knowledge about WASH, about water management. Um, can you speak about some of these events? Yeah, thank you, uh, Karen. So the, the events that I'm going to tell you is called Water Corners. Um, the idea of Water Corner is we're trying to create an informal platform that can bring in uh, professional and non-professional um, in water and water uh, sanitation sector to come and meet together. So we invited the um, experts uh, working in water resources and water and sanitation to speak at the water corners for three hours. So it's normally we organize it every month at the coffee shop. So the people don't feel so stressful in terms of um, sitting in the meeting room or sitting in the you know formal setting uh, meeting style and so on. So the people have a very uh, uh, freedom, a lot of freedom to really talk with the with the expert, with the guest speaker. So normally every month we invited one or two or three guest speakers. It depends on the topic that that is uh, interested uh, uh, relating to the uh, water uh, and water and sanitation sectors. So. Again, this is organized in the way that the people can drink coffee, can listen to the guest speakers, and then later on they can build a connection or network with the guest speakers uh, 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 around the water and sanitations. So we have run the first uh, water corners at the coffee shop um, last few weeks. And it was, uh, I could say, very successful because the topic that we raised is really connecting to uh, what happening in in the sector and in Cambodia? So the first topic we're talking about bringing pipe water supply in the rural uh, community, which is uh, a very um, you know uh, pressing issue in Cambodia that the pipe water supply in rural area uh, is very very small in terms of coverage. Uh, so we bring all the uh, expert to come and speak and then uh, we also have a kind of like panel discussions so that uh, we can open the floor for participants to ask whatever question relating to uh, um, water supply. So this is this is something that we we organize the water corner and then the, uh, the water corner also trying to invite the famous uh, water champion to speak as well to really inspire the participant about why they should invest their time and their resources or their commitment in water sector and what can be done in order to uh, you know um, become a water champions uh, uh, that can help the country uh, improve the water situations uh, uh, management situations so i think this kind of our platform is it's could give uh, a lot of advantage for both uh, professional and non-professional. More broadly than the work that you're covering with the center, 
um, and supporting through the Center for Sustainable Water. Uh, I'd like to step back a bit and speak about your work with Mekong in the Mekong and and in Cambodia and ask you what what it's like to implement integrated water management. And in the process of doing this, what do you see, what do you come across as being the key challenges and key opportunities and emerging issues in implementing integrated water management? Yeah, actually, um, if you know the, Me the Mekong is uh, the largest, the 12 largest rivers in the world. And we share the uh, resource with uh, different countries like um, China, Yunnan province, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. So um, the resource is um, it's very important for um, the people in each country uh, to benefit to benefit from. So at the Cambodia side, we can see there's a lot of developments um, happening uh, on the Mekong rivers, um, including the you know, the, the hydropower dam development regarding to the fishery and regarding to others, others uh, uh, um, um, opportunity as well uh, in the Mekong. But protecting the resources uh, is, is, is very important. It's, it's very crucial that the people have to be uh, proactively things about managing their resources. So managing the resource in the Mekong, um, the challenge is the Mekong is not one country resource. It's every country resource. We need to really share the resource together between the, the uh, 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 neighboring country. So um, those challenges happening a lot while one country need the development for the sake of the economic development. The other country also need the development for the sake of economic development as well. But how to balance the benefit, how to balance the resources from the upstream to the downstream country, that is the question um, that um, um, the Mekong, the integrated water management uh, in the Mekong is quite important and needed immediately. So, the work that I'm doing right now um, is the credit to the government, um, supporting the government to um, build the uh, database uh, management system uh, to monitor the um, uh, the whole water resources uh, related, uh, including the you know water qualities, uh, sediments, uh, flood control, and everything. And then the other component that I'm working on is about um, enhancing the uh, fishery management uh, to improve the livelihood of the community living uh, in the um, Mekong, Mekong basins. So um, this is a two project that really uh, integrate uh, between water resources uh, monitoring and also the fishery resources. It uh, sounds like quite a challenge to manage the upstream and the downstream and I would say also the economic development side of things with the livelihoods aspect. 
Um, so there's just a lot of scales and a lot of different levels of management that you're probably grappling with as you engage in this work. Are there any maybe opportunities or emerging innovations that you see coming out of the basin? I think they, um, there's also other development partners that is uh, taking part into um, the, the Mekong uh, water resource management as well. So I think the innovations uh, could happen when the uh, partnership and the collaborations uh, between the government and the government and also development partners and donors uh, come together to solve a, the same problem and to share the same visions. That would be uh, an opportunity that um, the dialogue could happen and discuss how they can um, um, manage the uh, water's resources effectively and sustainably. So uh, this kind of this kind of things need to be happen. It's not just only at the country level, but also at the regional level. That could help. There's so many different stakeholders involved. I mean, you're talking about yeah. so many different levels of governance that all need to become aligned on one vision. And uh, I can imagine that even just even just getting a lot of these people in the same room to talk to each other can be difficult sometimes, particularly with some of the tensions between some of those countries. Um, although if maybe things have improved or are improving in some areas. <laughs> But quite a challenge. Yeah, I think these 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 are the challenges that uh, we are facing. But um, this is only the first-hand solutions that we can start figure out what could be done and what are the innovation that um, those stakeholders can come together and uh, work out what can be done and what can minimize the risk of uh, waters. Uh, resources um, in each country. So um, I would say it's not really the silver bullet, but um, it could be an opportunity to look further into what can be done. It's also a challenge given the limited amount of time. You, you feel a, a sense of pressure with the water scarcity sort of knocking at the door saying, I'm here, I'm here. Things are going to get more and more difficult for everybody. Um, so you have this pressure of timeliness and pushing this agenda forward that adds an additional pressure, I think, onto the challenges that you're trying to address. I'm hoping you can also tell me a little bit about what's coming up with the future of your work and what you see um, in terms of the future and the direction of integrated water management and the basins that you're working with, the partners that you're working with. Are there key things coming out of your work on the ground that you can share with us? Um, yeah, I think the, um, the program or the project that we're working on is trying to build the foundations uh, or the lessons for um, the counterpart or, I mean, the, the government and the development partners as well. Um, um, so that in the future is really looking uh, further into um, of what are the possible way and sustainable ways that uh, we can build up from these foundations. So as I informed you earlier that um, uh, the project is really um, trying to develop the monitoring tools 
so uh, so that we from from the Cambodian side is really know what happening um, at the upstream what is the level of uh, degradations of the waters uh, uh, so that it could really inform or proactively uh, have the government to take an actions beforehand. So um, I hope that um, the projects that we are implementing, uh, supporting the government to implement right now, could really be on the basics to, um, you know, bring up to the longer term uh, program um, so that the people can really, so that the stakeholder, all the stakeholders can really uh, rally behind or uh, join together to solve the problem. I can also see how you as an expert in this field could also possibly bring some of the data that you're gathering through the process of monitoring, as well as looking at the, the data around fisheries management into, for example, the community that's being reached out through the Center for Sustainable Water. It seems like there is definitely an opportunity to engage them as well in, in the science and the evidence that's being uh, generated through your work, which could be very interesting as people become more informed. Hopefully they can get more involved and make better decisions as well. So it, it, it really all seems to flow together very nicely. Um, is this possible or is this data maybe pr proprietary data that can't be made publicly accessible or shared through certain venues or how, how accessible is this data and this knowledge? Yeah, I, I think this this is um, um, it, it's really a important link um, um, between the knowledge and the uh, real implementations of the program. Um, you can see that some some project implementations have been implemented very well, but in terms of the knowledge um, management, in terms of the knowledge. Um, sharing is still limited so that um, the experience and the lessons or even the challenges could not really articulate it uh, well or wisely um, um, uh, with others. Um, so I think this is really a link and also uh, if the project, any project I would call it, I would say, um, when they have experience how can they really share those experience? Where they can share those experience, rather than just a project base, but bringing up into the uh, general issue and challenge and the solutions. I think that would be worthwhile um, for uh, the waters. Uh, I would I would call it waters uh, uh, teams or waters uh, group to understand and then uh, learn from each others. Is there anything else that you'd like to speak about in terms of the work you're doing and the different priorities that you identify as you're trying to tackle these challenges? Um, I would say that um, what we are trying to do is supporting mainly a, the ownership of the government, uh, the ownership of the uh, ownership of the country 
So I would say that uh, the role of leadership, the role of the commitments uh, really is important as well. So sometimes if you forget leadership and the commitment um, matters, uh, maybe we just surely looking at only one part of, of the whole problem. So um, improving leadership um, is very important so that the people really, you know, committed into what they want to achieve and building a true and um, one vision together. So I would conclude with this that um, knowledge, but importantly, knowledge can transform into the, not, uh, into the leadership and the commitments of the implementers. I'm wondering if you could speak to your definition of leadership. I think um, a lot of us interpret leadership in very different ways. And I'm wondering what, what, are, what leadership means for you. I think um, I could talk in the practical way, actually. Um, um, leadership means um, the, the stakeholder, the owners of the, of the country, of the, of the project have to really putting a size of their, um, their um, uh, what they call it, the um, egoism or selfish, but looking at how they move forward uh, collectively um, in order to make things happen. I think building this kind of leadership, we need to also build a champions uh, of the water sector. So who are the champion? We don't know yet, but the champion with a true leadership is very important to uh, commit it into, uh, into the result that the country wants to see. So the real leader for you is somebody who's able to put their ego aside in order to understand the true purpose of the work that they're trying to do. Is that a correct yeah. summary? Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering, do you see that there is a lot of work happening around developing leadership in the communities that you work? Uh, I know definitely the Center for Sustainable Water is, is working to promote leadership through knowledge. And do you see that this leadership movement is um, widespread throughout the communities that you work with, or is it still just a kind of an abstract concept? Um, from the water and sanitation um, project that I was working on, is, is really there are some proof of leadership as well. Um, especially the, from the local governments, um, they really proved that um, they can uh, do the job and also committed into the vision that from the national level share with them. Um, but from the Mekong project, um, it, it just started actually. Um, so I don't have uh, experience to share yet of how uh, the leadership will be going. Um, but I hope there will be there. I just have noticed in discussions that I've had with many people throughout Southeast Asia that there seems to be something happening in Cambodia. Uh, maybe it's the result of having a new policy and some of the progress that's happened in Phnom Penh with uh, water management, but it seems like something's really 
happening. Maybe there are a number of leaders in Cambodia who are pushing an agenda that are it's similar to what you're saying. Can you comment on how Cambodia seems to be making some sort of progress um, when compared to some of the con neighboring countries, maybe within the Mekong Basin? Because um, it really does seem like there, there's something going on <laughs> in Cambodia right now. Or maybe it's just me as an outsider who's who has that perspective based on the conversations I had. Is that is that your sense as well? Or is it is it really just me? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, actually, um, I think there's something going on. Um, we can we can look uh, from the past and until now. Um, there's some momentum that um, uh, the leaders of the country really committed uh, in order to uh, make a lot of reforms um, in different sectors, and water is one of them as well. Um, so, from a point of view, I think um, even if it's still slow in terms of um, in terms of the impact, in terms of the result, but I would say it's a positive sign that moving forward, um, waters would be one of the priority areas that um, the leaders and also stakeholders really. Um, focusing on. Um, I, I reckon your point that uh, there are some things around in Cambodia, but the reality and the tangible uh, and in, uh, visible um, thing is not really clearly seen yet, but there's, there's something going on. There, yeah, there really does seem to be some sort of momentum building, uh, and maybe it is the political will the water reform that's taken place, the number of leaders, the education level that's happening m more broadly across the citizens of Cambodia. Maybe this is culminating in some sort of momentum, but it, it really, from, from the outside, it does seem like there's, there's something very exciting happening. So it's good to also get your perspective on that. Um, my closing question is for you about what advice you would give to others who have listened to this interview and said, oh, VRAC is doing some fascinating work. I'd like to be involved with maybe some of his work with the center or some of the other initiatives he's speaking about or helping support leadership development in, um, in Southeast Asia and Cambodia. And I'm wondering what advice would you give to others who are interested in getting involved in the work that you're doing related to Cambodia and the Mekong, and specifically some of the issues we've discussed today? Yeah, I think it's a very good last question, actually. Um, I will start with the word um, connectivity. Um, you know that there's so many knowledge um, experiences uh, in the globe um, happening in different international organizations or a different uh, organization, even in Australia. Um, but bringing those experience and, and knowledge and lessons into the country like Cambodia, it's still limited. So um, I, would, I would suggest some, anyone who hear the interview, I think I'm really ready for um, making connections uh, and provide more information about 
what's happening in Cambodia and what we are doing right now to support the uh, knowledge on water uh, so that we can really, you know, bring different angle of the knowledge globally into into Cambodia and maybe in the region as well. So this is my suggestion of um, start building connectivity in whatever means through whatever um, networks or platforms uh, so that we can really um, share those experience together and then uh, trying to find out what are the best solution that can be applied uh, in Cambodian context. That's a great note to end on building connectivity because what what I hear you saying is that if somebody would like to come to Cambodia and be involved in some of these initiatives and support them and help be a part of this momentum, you say, yes, please do come. Because <laughs> um, yes. it's, it's open and welcome and uh, there's a lot that can be done and a lot that's happening. So that's that's very positive. But I think also your point about building connections is really important as relationships are key to any sort of change process or any sort of improvement process. We can't do it alone. We have to work together. Every organization is really made up of individuals, of people that need to work together in order to make things happen. And building connectivity and reaching out to one another is one of the most powerful ways we can improve our water management or improve our world, really. So it's a great point. Thank you very much. Thank you. With that, I think we've come to the end of our interview. So, Virak, I'd like to thank you very much for your time and your insights. And if people want to find out more about the Center for Sustainable Water, they can do so at which website? Can you share with us the website address? Um, you can go to um, the Facebook page. You just type Center for Sustainable Water and click like so that you can receive all the information. So all the contacts uh, relating to the Center for Sustainable Water is there. So please make connections from, from, from now. That's a great way to just start building connections as we were just discussing. And I imagine there might be other people who are working throughout the Asia Pacific or even more, more broadly afield who might be interested in looking at the model that you've developed and your team has developed and think about how that model could be transferred over into their context and um, through liking the Facebook page and, and maybe starting to ask you some questions about that, uh, this could be a model that could multiply and maybe um, be that capacity building link between water management professionals and people who are not professionals but interested in learning more. So uh, I, I find this to be a very positive initiative, a very exciting initiative, uh, and I'm glad that there's a way that we can just build connections and connect with one another in something like Facebook. So um, thank you again very much for your time. It's It's been great to speak with you, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Karen, for the interview. I'm very uh, happy with that. Keeney is an initiative of the Australian Water Partnership and the International Water Centre Alumni Network. Keeney connects water managers and shares knowledge throughout the Asia-Pacific. Visit our website at keeney.org.au for more information and for videos, articles, news and more.